You know what? 99.9% of the population does not wake up in the morning and say, gee, I wonder whose life I can make difficult at work today. Mm, sure. It's not really how we think, but we roll in and we have different perspectives, which the ironic thing is we need to have different styles of thinking or thoughts or perspectives to have a high-performing team. But that's also where we have the same misses. This helps us to get down to what somebody's really trying to say or communicate. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast, where our mission is to share business ideas, practices, and strategies while we enjoy our cup of coffee. Today's guest is Eileen Stevens with Culture Index. Uh, If you've been around the podcast for a while, you've probably heard me mention it on several different occasions. There is uh, two previous episodes that you might want to check out as well, because there's lots of information to digest around this. I think it's a great practical tool that every business should at least look at. Uh, I think you're going to find value in it if you take it and apply it for your business. This is going to be part one of two of a a two-part podcast with Eileen. We're going to talk a little bit about the impacts, how you can utilize it, why it's relevant, why it matters to your business. And then in the second part, we'll kind of look into uh, some examples of some of the survey traits, how it's applicable, how they interact with each other, and how you can get the best out of your team by understanding them better. So this is part one. Before we jump into it, though, I do want to invite you to subscribe. If you have not already, subscribe on the audio platform that you're listening to right now. And then also, Check out the video version, and especially this episode, because we've got some uh, some actual visual uh, explanations or samples of some surveys that will actually make some impact for you as well. So you might want to check out the video version on YouTube or Facebook. Just search LockDoc Security, and you'll find it all there. Grab a cup of coffee and get ready for this conversation. We got so much to say. We got a podcast to make. We're sipping on lattes, and it's time for a coffee break. It's time for a coffee break. Oh, yeah. Welcome, Eileen. It's a blast to have you back. It's been, what, a year and a half? Probably. Almost, year and a half, two, two years. years. Something like that, since you first came in here and... Uh, your wizardry, wizardry uh, just amazed everybody. Uh, and so we've uh, m- had major application to what we're going to be talking about today inside of our business. So uh, today is going to be maybe digging in a little deeper. Uh, I think we had a two-part episode on the podcast before when you were here, really trying to explain what Culture Index was. And then we did kind of a deep dive uh, and a, almost a therapy session uh, as well. So we'll link those as well. So you can go kind of see that uh, from a reference standpoint. But we're going to go probably one step deeper today on practical application. Does that, does that sound good for you? Sounds like a plan. Uh, full disclosure, Eileen is uh, also a member of a Vistage group that I'm a part of. And so we get to see each other more regularly now, which is is fun, um, and be able to see this uh, this this whole process applied at a, a whole different level. So, uh, all right. Today we're going to have visuals as well. So if you are not watching this video, if you're, watch, if you're just listening to the podcast and not watching it, you might want to go check this out on YouTube or Facebook because there's going to be some visuals attached that may give some more explanation as well. But before we do that, we've got to jump into rapid fire. Five randomly selected questions just to get under your skin with unknown point values, and then we'll give you a score at the end. Are you ready? I'm ready. Now, the other interesting thing is most people don't get to see these questions as we're happening. Uh, Because I've got my screen shared up here, you actually see them on on the screen. But they are all random, uh, as I typically say that they are. So question number one, have you ever been at an event that you'll think you will, uh, will be in the history books one day? 
An event, no, but interesting. My daughter um, had a murder mystery dinner party at our house Okay. with a bunch of her friends, and it was all the 90s. And I'm just listening to them as they're playing their characters, talking about Y2K and who has bunkers and what's going to happen to the computers and mm-hmm. stuff. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, who knew that that would now be, like, a funny game? <laughs> like, Yeah. I actually lived that. <laughs> right. I lived that. I remember those conversations. And there it is. Like, now it's like a, a party game. There you go. So <laughs> so you didn't think it was going to be at the time, but now yeah. it is. And it's a whole murder mystery dinner. That's thing crazy. They did. It, was, it was kind of funny, but interesting. All right, question number two. What little thing instantly tells you that a person is good? Mm, generosity. Generosity. And how do you gauge that? Just the, the way that they interact with people? Either time or things that they talk about. Is it all about them or are they willing to give and support and build up others? Mm, interesting. I like it. Question number three. What is your favorite ritual? Uh, favorite ritual? Well, I should do it more, but meditation, I think, is key. So call that meditation, prayer, resetting, whatever it is. I think that's key to kind of keeping a balanced mindset. Gotcha. Question number four, are you currently where you want to be in life? I don't think there's ever an end game. <laughs> um, am I, I – funny you, know, you ask that because I was driving – a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, you know what? For the most part, at this age and stage, I really accomplished everything I set out to do via my kids and my family, my career, et cetera. Is there more to do? 100%. I think the thing I enjoy more now is rather than building, although I love to build my business and do my business, it's also helping other people grow inside that. Mm. I like it. All right. Last question, question number five. What is your best shower thought? Oh, my gosh. So I actually have this thing in my shower called Aquanotes, which is waterproof paper you can write in and a shower. pencil. And you can write in the shower because I do a lot of my really good thinking in the shower. Um, so let's see. My best one. Mm. I think it would be I'm always contemplating how do I level up mm. and serving my customers. Hmm. And so I've started, I've instituted like this monthly email for my clients with just little communication tips and software tips to keep the conversation alive. I like it. So it's funny. So I was having a conversation the other day with somebody about the similar thing, because a lot of my conversations start internally with, I was, I was thinking about this this morning in the shower, because uh, it's, it's a, that is the, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day that is just I kind of shut down from everything else. You're, you're not, there's not all these other distractions happening. So it's focused. You only have, yeah, whatever. And, uh, so it, I like this idea of this aqua notes. I'm going to have to check it out. But, uh, somebody said the other day to me, um, how long are your showers? Because you're always talking about it. <laughs> I just thought I was like, they're not that long. It's not that big of a deal, but it's just, it's, it's the, free space. It's free space. You don't it's get it very space. often. Yep. I find, in the shower, driving too. So I'll like send notes to myself via my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're in the dentist chair, you can't talk or do anything. So that's also a good time to like think. Hmm. I like it. Okay. Well, we'll give you a score. Uh, congrat- congratulations. You made it through rapid fire. It was pretty quick. Uh, score we'll give you is 812. So congratulations. All right. You know, I always want to know if I won or not, but I know it's just a random. <laughs> 
I had somebody asked earlier, so how does that stack up against like the possible <laughs> I don't know. She's made up. All right. Um, so again, welcome back. We're gonna be talking about culture index, which is I guess give us a, just a quick summary of because I have my own perspective or my own definition, but what is what is what is the official definition of culture index? So the way that I describe it, it's really an in-house management system. It is who do you need in your organization to get where you want to go? What are your goals? Who do you need? Do you have the people that you want inside your organization to get there? Are they there? Do you have the right people in the right seats? And then if you don't, how do you find them? And then how do you keep them? So it was intriguing to me when we, we just talked about this, you know, a couple of years ago almost. Uh, you you were referred to us as a podcast guest, I think from Kirk Graves or somebody inside of Vistage. I don't remember exactly who at this point. Um, and as part of the preparation for it, you sent this link and said, fill this out. Um, and then you followed up with me and said, hey, did you not fill this out because you haven't finished the survey yet? <laughs> and also send it to other people. And I was like, what is this? I don't really know what it is. Uh, so anyways, but I completed it, sent it to a couple of other people in the organization, and you came in with this stack of papers and said, all right, based off of this, you tend to probably operate this way. And I think everybody that was either in the room or standing outside the room at the time was just jaws hit the floor and like, oh, wow, you picked that up that quick. And so ever since then, we've started trying to figure out, okay, how do we uh, utilize this inside of our organization? So, you know, historically, we have applied certain things like Myers-Briggs, and we've used uh, Enneagram type of things to try to navigate it. And it's had some success and had some stickiness to it. But I can say that it's not had any level of effectiveness as Culture Index has had in our organization. So we started like I feel like we went all in on it. Um, and as a matter of fact, we printed off these little business cards or like uh, ID cards, I guess, uh, for each of our team members. And they a majority of people carry them around in their wallets or have them on their desk. And so whenever there's interactions happening, it's something that we refer to all the time because it's kind of a common language that we use for understanding strengths, weaknesses, challenges, uh, and all of those types of things. So, um, so anyways, it's, it's been a pretty cool thing. Uh, we utilize it in a lot of, basically in every aspect of our organization, which we'll talk about that. But I think one of the interesting things that, that maybe if, if I'm, if I'm sitting here listening to this for the first time, or maybe I've heard of something like this before and maybe a little skeptical, um, you know, what is the real benefit of something like this inside of my organization where I can actually do something with it, where it's not just another thing that we do that then people just forget about and move on? So culture index, the reason it's called culture, right? Culture really starts at the top. Mm -hmm. And when it becomes a part of your culture and people are talking, like you said, it's actually, it is like learning a new language. When people are all speaking the same language and understand somebody else's perspective, it allows you to sort of like take your own set of glasses off and, and understand that other person's perspective. Now it, it leads to a lot of healing or better conversations because people realize, hey, you know what, 99.9% .9 of the population does not wake up in the morning and say, gee, I wonder whose life I can make difficult at work today. Mm, sure. It's not really how we think, but we roll in and we have different perspectives, which the ironic thing is we need to have different styles of thinking or thoughts or perspectives to have a high-performing team. But that's also where we have the same misses. Sure. 
Uh, I think that that is a great summary. 99% of people aren't trying to make your day difficult, although 99% of people feel that somebody else is trying to do that, right? And so that's you're all constantly approaching, like, why are you trying to make my life difficult? And when you actually start to dissect it, it's like, oh, it was just an – it was a real miss because my mind was here, your mind was here. And how, how can we start to bridge that gap? Exactly. Like if I say the word orange, you know, some people might think the color orange. Some people might think an orange that you eat. Mm -hmm. And some people might be like, yay, Clemson, you know, if your alma mater has orange uh, color to it. So all I said is one word and we can have very different interpretations of that. Mm. And you put sentences and paragraphs together and it's easy to see where we get the misses. And human nature, you know, fight or flight, protect ourselves. We tend to go to the negative without any other further information. So, for example, if you were to get a text on your phone that says we need to talk, Mm -hmm. you're probably more likely to think, "Uh uh-oh, something's wrong, than yay, somebody has something so exciting to tell me. So what this language and this data really does is allows us to peel all that away and get more to the root of it rather than just the interpretation. Because if you say something and I make an interpretation off of that and then I respond off of that, now you're going to respond off of your interpretation and none of it's built in reality. Mm-hmm. This helps us to get down to what somebody's really trying to say or communicate. Managing your facility, properties, and projects is hard enough. Trying to find an emailed quote in your overflowing inbox is just one more annoyance, especially if there are multiple versions. We're working hard to make your life easier by providing all the information you need in one place. Now you can request service at a date and time that works for you. And we're making it easier to see quotes and materials needed for specific openings, including photos, so that you can approve everything from the convenience of your phone or computer. Log in to start using it now. Visit customer.lockdoc.net. So I'll give you a short little story, but one of the things that we have kind of, well, I'll say we, I've really embraced this statement over the last probably year is what's obvious to me is not obvious to you. And that's what I hear you say whenever you say orange, you you have some obvious inclination in your mind, but the interpretation on the other end may take that and go with it of, oh, Eileen needs oranges. Let me go get oranges. And you're thinking, actually, I wanted to paint this wall orange or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get totally two different outcomes outside of it. So uh, just this past weekend, I got invited to go to uh, a uh, a NASCAR driving experience where you actually get into a, NAS- a race car and drive it. Oh, fun. It was exciting. Uh, but contextually, I have zero understanding of racing at all other than get in, drive fast. Sounds fun, right? While you're in this um, in this car, you're wearing a helmet. It's got earpieces in it, and there is a guy on a radio that is telling, like, giving you instruction to do certain things while you're driving around this big oval. And a couple of things that he was yelling in my ear was, "Do this when you get to turn three. Do this when you get to the back straightaway. Do this when you get to the front straightaway." And at one point in time, he said, "Hey." car number 22, can you hear me? And I said, yes, I can hear you. I just don't understand what you're saying. I don't know what you mean. It's like <laughs> trying to sail a boat and somebody's going whatever, you know, the after, and you're like, I don't know what that means. I, like, <laughs> like what? I have no idea what turn I'm in. So right. when I get to turn three, that's great. But can somebody tell me when I'm headed that way? Right. Or um, what, what is turn three? <laughs> what is turn three? And uh, so I've shared that story a couple of times. And I, I try to take that application back into our business because I'm like, 
oftentimes we get frustrated with somebody because we're asking them something that's obvious to us, but it's not obvious to them. And then it escalates to the point of, can you not even hear me? It's like, sure, I hear what you're saying. I hear you. I just don't understand you. What is yeah. the back straightaway? What is the front straightaway? And I don't know where I'm at on this track because I'm just knuckles tight going 140 miles an hour. I'm just trying to make sure I don't go into the wall, much right. less but figure out what's crash. going on. Well, alone what is turn three. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so when, now when, it, when it comes into these types of things with culture index, I think that's, to me, that's probably baseline application is when you get into situations, hiring, getting people in the right situation, position in the organization, and then even more so navigating maybe conflict or miscommunications or whatever, it's really breaking down into that aspect of saying, well, hold on a second. Where, what is our baseline understanding to start with? And if we can do that, now we've got a common language, then we can start to build from there. Build. Yep. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned through using Culture Index or uh, applying it inside of our organization is those practical ways. You bring two people to a table and say, okay, we've got a conflict here, and here is most likely some elements that are playing into that. The dynamic changes, the conversation changes, and a path to get it fixed changes more so than a he said, she said situation. Yeah, because it's the traits. So we measure seven critical work-related traits. Mm -hmm. Um, the reason it's, it's stickier in organizations as opposed to the other things that you talked about is because the leadership team goes through a workshop, which is two days of really understanding what this is. Mm -hmm. So they walk out talking the language and then we, we get the employees speaking the language as well. That's the key. Otherwise, it's just a report that sits in a drawer and that really doesn't help anybody. But these seven work-related traits, there's no judgment in any of this. There's not one trait that's better than another. Mm -hmm. There are traits that have an affinity or will be better at certain things than another trait. But there, it's not a judgment, good, bad, right, wrong. So once you understand how somebody's brain is wired, which is hardwired pretty early on in life, not that we don't become better versions of ourselves, but certainly by the age of 12, more and more research that I've read, it looks like by about the age of preschool, who we are is pretty hardwired. Mm -hmm. um, and then we build from there. Once you understand that, now we have this language to have this conversation where it's the traits talking to each other, not not you're wrong, I'm right, or good, bad, right, wrong. So something that you just said there, because I, I know this, we've had this conversation internally here. Um that the the kind of hardwired component and when you when you start to look at the traits and we have a lot of competitive people in our organization and so they have tried to retake the survey multiple times to see if their traits change and it is hilarious to me because they come back consistent every single time and the conversation has been well I feel like I've matured some since then or I've changed a little bit and I said to my my perspective is, and I guess let me let me ask you that question instead of me answering it my way. But so they they, they take this and say, well, I feel like I've matured or or grown as an individual since the first time and now, but my traits are still the same. What does that mean? So the traits are consistent, mm -hmm. but we grow as people. Mm -hmm. What understanding something like this, which is how am I hardwired, and how do I play to my strengths? The benefit of that is is now I can say, okay, this is what I'm good at. So let me really spend the majority of my time improving that. Yes, I have to put tools in my tool belt for things that I need to be aware of or watch out for. But understanding that helps us actually grow even faster. So of course we grow and, and mature and develop. 
what we want to do is have people do it if possible, a little more academically, shall we say, than via road rash. Because we always do learn, just sometimes those lessons are very expensive and difficult. So I, I, I would agree with you on that. And I guess my thought on it was the more that you understand how you're hardwired, you can play to your strengths, but also understand your natural propensity when you walk into a situation and navigate accordingly. So I'm trying to think of a good example of that. But say, for instance, I, I've learned that, I you know, I, I've always had this level of impatience. And so, but now I understand as I'm walking through something where I historically would start something, get bored with it and move on. Now, when I start something and understand the impact of it long-term, I'm getting other people involved earlier to get that communicated so that when I lose interest, other people have, are, are put in place to, to and, navigate it. And maintain it. And, and that's, that's the whole reason for a team. Mm-hmm. Right? If we we're all built the same, we're going to get the same results. But why do we have or do the same things? But why do we have a team? Is so that we can play off of each other's strengths. So do we hard, you know, wholesale change who we are? No. Do we improve? Do we get smarter as who we are? 100%. According to a recent study, nearly 50% of burglaries and unauthorized entries happen through propped or unlocked doors. We want to help our community improve this statistic. At LockDock Security, our customers want locked and latched doors and openings to prevent theft, property damage, or even physical attacks. We are urging everyone not to wait for something to happen. You can be proactive today. So let's look at look at some data and some facts. So again, I'm, I'm listening to this podcast, I'm processing it, I'm like, okay, got it. You've got some data that says, you know, even pointing to large companies like Amazon, where they have legitimate like cost issues associated to turnover or bad hires. Yeah, so I, I subscribe to an email every day, see CEO Daily Digest, and it's a pretty quick read about some things that CEOs are talking about. And one of the things that came up today was that um, apparently some documents were linked from Amazon that they're calculating their turnover is costing them $8 billion a year. Mm. It's a big number. It's a very big number. So we, we did some back calculations on it. It's 1% of their annual revenue, mm-hmm. which at the end of the day, so you think of it in terms, and as I try to break that down, because $8 billion is a lot of money when you're making $460 billion a year. It maybe seems less significant, but in terms of a small business around you know $5 million in revenue, that's $50,000 a year that could potentially be vanished. Yep, that hits your bottom line. And some could even argue that in a small business, that impact may be a little higher than than what uh, Amazon has mitigated. Right, because we've got we have more we have fewer people carrying the load. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of studies out there on cost of turnover. If you read the book The Who, it says it's 15 times somebody's salary. Most studies that I've read, if it's somebody that's non-customer facing, say somebody that's an accounting role, cost of turnover all in. Is about two and a half to five times their salary, customer facing, sales, customer service, et cetera. It goes up five to eight times their salary. So if you just start calculating that up, and if there's any CFOs listening, you might want to just stop listening at this point because this will start to give you a lot of stress. But if you start to calculate that up as an organization, do we want to work smarter or harder? Yeah. Because we can grow the top line. Mm-hmm. We can sell, and that's great. But if we're not getting the profits at the end, and we're really just paying for our late and our rent and our salaries, well, 
that's an impact on everybody, on bonuses, et cetera. And, you know, the great resignation really has slowed. I think it's now um, quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not the amount of people jumping that there was previously, but it still is a huge impact. And I think even the bigger impact of that is when people leave, whoever's left, Mm -hmm. that work is still happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now they're carrying a heavier load. And so what happens is you start to deteriorate the people that are there Mm -hmm. over time. They just, they, they get tired. Like, is nobody listening? Does nobody see the amount of work that we're doing? And so it's something like this, uh, this culture index program, it's not going to get rid of all turnover, but it will reduce it significantly when you figure out which traits you want for a role, go out and find them, which there's two types of hiring, proactive and reactive. Reactive is an ad, which is an advertisement, not a job description. And then how do I onboard and keep these people? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, you know, one of the things that I've seen with it is that, so, like, in a lot of positions, people are, you know, they're going to be motivated or challenged even at their early onset to try to to be successful in that position. They're going to work really hard, even if they're having to stretch themselves on a daily basis. And as an employer, you may not necessarily understand the fact that they're stretching themselves so hard to fit that particular role. And so identifying that earlier on, you're giving that person uh, a lot more uh uh, a lot more runway to be able to be successful because you're not asking them to stretch themselves so far out of character to try to fit that particular role. Yeah, because we can all do that. Think like a rubber band. Like we can all stretch for a while, mm-hmm. but that stress is tension. Yeah. You know, it, that, and stretching is tension and stress. And so can we all do it for a while? Absolutely. But what we want to spend the majority of our time doing is playing to our strengths. And when somebody says, I want to grow, which is definitely a great attribute, I think, of millennials and Gen Zs, growth does not necessarily mean that they want to be the boss. Sure. Sometimes I want to learn something new. Sure. And if we say, oh, growth, in my mind, my perspective, that means boss, Mm -hmm. and I make you the boss and you didn't want to be the boss, right? Well, I'm going to try because obviously you think you want me to do that and you want me to manage people. And then we end up losing two positions. Yeah. And I think most of us have promoted somebody to failure and that's a real significant cost, two positions that we're going to lose. No, I, I, I can't agree with that more. It's, it's a very big impact in understanding. Um, and the other part of it is also understanding when you're asking somebody to do something um, that is a ma- major stretch for them and then getting frustrated with the fact that they're not meeting that expectation, right? So, you know, one of our core values that we talk about is defined expectations. and But oftentimes I feel like an expectation has been defined. The other individual is still not able to meet that expectation because they're not well suited to do that. So, again, that kind of setting them up for, I don't say setting them up for failure, but effectively promoting them for to failure is a right. is a major challenge. There's stre- there's like stretching. That's oh, I'm learning something new, mm-hmm. and the first time is the worst time, right? So, the first time you do something, you're probably not going to be the best at it. Mm-hmm. So. There's that kind of stretching, but what we're really talking about here is taking somebody and asking them to do work and be somebody completely different than who they are. Mm-hmm. That is just, it's a square peg in a round hole and people typically don't stick and it's stressful and expensive. 
But when you get the right people in the right seats, you're, you will find your turnover goes down. One of my clients, when I first started working with them, they weren't even tracking their turnover. It was sort of like somebody showed up to work. Yay, here's a job, manufacturing facility. First full year, 36%. Second year, 16%. They're now tracking about 3% turnover. Yeah. So you think about that direct impact to the bottom line, working smarter, not harder. And in any organization, your intellectual property, your real estate, and your people are typically your only appreciating app assets. Everything else, your computers, desks, et cetera, it's all depreciating. Yeah. People get better over time. No, that, that's very true. Well, Eileen, we're going to take a quick pause. And that's going to be part one of this conversation. Part two is going to be next week. We're going to break down some of the examples of uh, the surveys, how they work with each other, and how you can uh, work better with your team. That's going to be coming up next week on part two. So make sure you check that out. All of the links to contact Eileen are going to be listed below. You'll find all that, and uh, you can get a a sample demonstration. Uh, As she says, free to kick the tires. So you want to check that out, take full advantage of that. So join us next week for part two of this conversation right here on the Coffee Break Podcast.